This is the In the Black Podcast. In the Black Podcast. Big old me bridging big up. Black up, make up, and rip it up. Make it sizzle on them just a little. Don't give them too much. Yeah, we in the black and it's all good. Mr. Hustle Hard, Orange Crush. This for all. Yes, welcome. What is up? It's the incredible In the Black Podcast, a podcast dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in your black world and covering it all from the perspective of three grown-ass men who are always in blackface. Oh. <laughs> I got a natural tan, man. What you talking about? <laughs> I am your host, Big O, Mr. In the Black himself, but I'm never alone. Let me introduce my homies. Hustle, say what's up. What is up? Crush, say what's up. What's going on, everybody? Yes, indeed, man. So, what's going on with you guys, man? The Super Bowl was last Sunday. Yeah. Did no, you guys watch no. it? Hey, uh, look, man, I survived. Liam Neeson, he didn't show up in my house or nothing, man. It was, <laughs> it was pretty good. Smart, man. He wasn't looking for somebody. <laughs> he told you. No, he's he, been telling he, he's y'all on the dudes, prowl. man. He's been telling y'all dudes he has a special set of skills, yeah, man. Yeah, really did. I didn't know that was it. I didn't know that's what he was talking about, man. <laughs> I might never watch that movie if I knew apparently, that. Apparently, apparently. Hey, man. Yo, I think we in the wrong business, my dude. You know, wow. I was watching something the other day. Vice did a special. Uh, they were talking about um, the economy surrounding strip clubs in, during the Super Bowl. Wait right? Listen to what I'm saying. I know that your wife is going to get upset at you even <laughs> participating in this conversation. No, I thought you were trying to volunteer us for something, you know. Not a rule I'm willing to play. So listen up. So there were small strip clubs that were talking about walking away with $3 million. $3 million. Wow. I like Jesus Christ, and that's not count. That's that's what the club took away. That's not what the girls took away. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Just think about yeah, what the I girls know. took away too. Three million dollars yeah. to strip during the day on yo. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. I didn't know that the the economy surrounding that whole thing was yeah, that that robust. I guess for lack of a better description, you know what I mean. But maybe next time I'm gonna plan something. We're gonna have to put together some money so we can open our own strip club. Or something. You mean like for the orphanage, right? Like we're raising money for orphanage. Right? <laughs> you mean like Black Dynamite? We're gonna have a orphanage. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, only only right. only real ones know about the orphanage. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> we are on uh, iTunes, true. Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and all the other major podcast streaming services. Make sure you check us out at In the Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we would love for you to become a part of our podcast family. Go to www.patreon.com forward slash ITB podcast today and become a member. Help us keep making great content for you. Now, let's jump into our black box letter for this week. This week's letter comes from Janelle. Okay, Janelle writes, my brothers, I know that you guys saw Liam Neeson, what Liam Neeson said the other day in his interview with The Independent, right? I'm really at a loss as to what to think. I can understand his anger, but the level of comfort he felt sharing that experience talked less about his belief that finding any random blackface to take his frustrations out on was the right thing to do. I agree that he's helping. I agree that he's helping to move the conversation along, but still, angry face emoji. Please help me make sense out of this. Now, before we do that, I'm going to tell you what an older woman uh, told me. Um, Wait, was she seasoned? 
she was she was she's old enough to be my mom's mom i'll put it that way so i think older is fine she told me you can never make sense out of nonsense and that's Mm. basically what this is but we're going to go into it liam neeson while promoting his upcoming movie cold pursuit admitted after a close friend after a close friend of his became a victim of sexual assault that he roamed the streets of ireland in black neighborhoods hoping to kill a black man i asked did, they, did she know who there was? No. What color were they? She said it was a black person. I went up and down areas with a cosh, hoping I'd be uh, approached by somebody. I'm ashamed to say that. And I did it for maybe a week, hoping some black bastard would come out of a pub and have a go at me about something you know so that i could kill him um yeah liam appeared on good morning america this week and he explained how after the incident he recognized that he had a problem and he sought help about it um yeah who wants to go first on this man i mean if you don't let me go first i'm gonna go first yeah, uh, here's here's what i think Thankfully, he was in Ireland roaming through black neighborhoods because there probably was like one. And there probably was like one black guy who lived there like 30 years ago or something like that. Um, So thankfully, he didn't see anybody. But I I want people to think about the story. People who don't understand the anger around this story understand what the big deal is. Imagine him saying Jewish. Imagine him saying that his friend had told him that she was raped by a Jewish man. And he walked around Jewish neighborhoods looking for someone to kill. Now just let that sink in. The horrors of the Holocaust, what we know about anti-Semitism, you know, the, the work that the ADL has done, the Anti-Defamation League, all these years. I don't think there's anybody who would comfortably say, well, it's not a big deal. I think his career would be over, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So then why, when he admits with a sense of criminal intent, to seeking out black men to kill because his friend had said that she was raped by black men. Why are we not taking that seriously? And what I mean by taking seriously is, if you will, Hollywood putting a pause on Liam Neeson. And and I say this as somebody who has been a Liam Neeson fan for like going on like a decade. When that dude made Taken, that was that was it. I was like, okay, I've been taken too, you know. <laughs> I saw myself doing this, you know. Taking, I'm with it. Taking, taking four, you know. They took his dog. Let's go get it. Come on, let's get it, you know. And and all that stuff. The Gray, I think, is one of the greatest movies ever made, and it's a movie nobody talks about. But oh, he's basically, man, that was awesome. he's basically the character was from awesome. Taken. But imagine Wolf now. Man, that okay? was that that's, was that's awesome. That was an awesome movie. The only difference is a plane crash and wolves. <laughs> Yeah. Boom! Liam needs to do it. You know, that was an awesome. awesome movie. Um, yeah, it was. So, so it's so his ability and talent, just like all these men we talk about, uh, R. Kelly, or we talk about, uh, you know, what's happened with other people who are very successful in what they do, but they have these demons. He's not talking about having committed a violent act, but he's saying that he was looking to commit a violent act against people who. By the way, black men have been killed repeatedly in this country, not necessarily Ireland, but in the United States with no repercussions whatsoever for centuries. 
up until today, depending on what uniform you wear. So this isn't something that any of us, the three of us, take lightly or don't think it's serious. But I think there's some people out there who may not get it. That's the only reason that I brought up bringing religion into it, because then it may make sense to people. Understand. Go ahead, Phil. Yes, I mean, there's, you know, there's no discount of the man's talent and impact, but, and that perhaps his intent was, uh, was uh, uh, altruistic, you know, in the, you know, in, in, you know in, the, in the beginning, in his head at least. Um, but uh, to, uh, to hear it, you know, out of his mouth, I think the thing that, one thing is, it's, it's hard to believe that you can just uh, go and quote unquote get help for uh, the intent to commit a hate crime. Yeah, um, you know that's a, that's a hard thing to, to conceive that you can somehow, you know, talk talk about and work through your racism. You know what I'm saying? I don't. You know, it, it's it's not that people can't change, but these you know ingrained ideas or you know the, the idea that somehow you could avenge your friend's honor by singling out one particular group of people. I mean. It's, it's, it's very troubling, you know, to, I mean, in one regard, you know, we can appreciate what you wanted to do in admitting it, but the fact that it even happened, and I mean, I'm not even sure when it happened, this must have been when he was maybe much younger, but, you know, it, it's just hard to uh, conceive of uh, anyone really uh, getting over those kind of feelings completely. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess mm-hmm. I, that, that, that's a question for another podcast, perhaps, but... I think that's part of it. It's hard to believe that you know that you're confessing this and, and not confessing something else as well. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I I think that it would be unfair to Mr. Neeson if we did not at least make sure to be clear that this incident, not even incident because nothing happened, but this this period in his life happened about 30 years ago. 30 years he ago. Was okay. a, All right. He yeah. was a much All younger right. man at oh, the time. Back, that's back when it was cool to kill black people. I'm, I'm just, I'm like I said, I'm trying to be fair to him. I mean, we, we want to be fair. We want to be upfront and clear with those folks that listen to the show. Um, I will say this though. It's very interesting how, given Rick's point, that some people are okay with this, and all because, um, let's put it this way: white men have always been, have always since the inception of this country thought that it was necessary to harm people of color for the virtue or to save the virtue of white women. Yes. And the thought that black people in this country, specifically, or black people period, because this was in Ireland when this happened, that they are some sort of monolith, that the wrongdoing of one black person means the destruction or the harm to any black person. I think is where the problem comes in. My biggest problem with what he said is twofold. One, the the person, the interviewer asked him, how did he prepare for this movie? And that's, he said he went back to that time in his life where he had that problem. That's, that's one. Wow. Yes, but when he's he's preparing for this movie called Pursuit, because he says he's, uh, as an actor, he needs to take himself into a place in his life or in his real life to get himself prepared to play some of these roles. The second part is that he glossed over, he really kind of glossed over the wrongness, the racism behind it 
of this all, all of this whole situation. He essentially said, I knew I was wrong. I was in a dark place. I went to get help. He didn't say that it was a racist thought. He didn't say that this was wrong because the, the, the wrongdoing of one black person doesn't mean the wrongdoing of all black people. He just said he sought help. And then, of course, you know, just like with most celebrities or people that get into certain circumstances like this, he went on his apology tour and showed up on Good Morning America with Robin Roberts. And I guess right. now it's all over and we can move on with our lives. I mean, Kumbaya. I, I don't Okay, let me ask you a question. Like I said, it was 30 years ago and he didn't commit a crime and he has brought forth a larger conversation. Should we give him, I don't want to say give him a pass, but should we forgive him? Or what does he need to do or do you think he needs to do to be forgiven? But my thing is, and let me just say this, anytime someone does something against black folks in this country, immediately the onus is on the victim to forgive the perpetrator. Yep. That rarely ever happens in other circumstances. He said he was looking for innocent black men to kill in Ireland. Black men weren't looking for him to kill. So this notion of can he do anything or what does he need to do to make you people feel okay so you can watch his movies, it's like I'm done with his movies. And, and, and I want you to understand, that's a loss for me. As a man who, you know, there's some things I like. I like manly movies. I like watching this stuff. You know, like I like putting myself because I'm look. I'm a I'm a I'm a 30-something year old father of three. I'm not going out there and breaking no necks. Okay. Now, if somebody takes my kid, that's a whole different story. But you know, hopefully they stay right there, safe in the suburbs, and live their peaceful life, right? So I can watch a movie and be like, yeah, man, that's what I do. But no, I'm not doing that shit. I'm sitting right on the couch. But. But it's a loss for me in the entertainment sense because he is an older man who's able to, to sort of push this for 20 years. This narrative of being a superhero, I didn't focus on his race. I didn't get the hint of racism or whatever. I was like rooting for him. But now everything he does is tainted because my question is he admitted to this. What has he done that he doesn't admit to? What slight has he given to any black cast directors, black assistants, black people who work in the industry, specifically black men, but also black women? Has he ever sexually assaulted someone? Has he ever assaulted someone because of their bring race? Those questions in, like bring those questions into play. That, that, that's what I want to know, because now I'm going to look at his whole trajectory and see if any other stories are going to come out now since he admitted that. Dude, I, I think that it's interesting that you say that because at the same time, man, I mean, you, we really got to take a step back and think to ourselves, given circumstances like this, are are we as a society really willing to forgive people or is it just going to be a write-off? Like I said, this was 30 years ago. I'm a 30-plus year I'm a man of a certain age at this point, and Season. you could... Well seasoned then. Um, <laughs> I didn't see all that, bro. <laughs> I talked. I said seasoned. I didn't say cooked. Shut up. <laughs> Crisp, fried hard. Uh, I'm just saying. I mean, when are we willing to give people not the benefit of the doubt? But you get what I'm saying. Because let's be honest, man. Um, what's what's my man's name? Um, what's the man that said sugar tits? You know what I'm talking about. Say what? He said he called an officer sugar tits. He's a. Are you talking uh, about Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson. Thank you very much. I didn't Mel know he Gibson. Did. Yeah. He, anyway. So yeah. So Mel Gibson. He's still. He's making movies, and they're doing well. People are going to go see them. Now, what, what did Mel say besides that? 
What do you say about black folk? He t- well, he told his ex-wife at the time that he hopes that she gets raped by a gang of niggers. Why? That was the craziest. Why specifically? That was the craziest that, 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 and that's almost, I ever heard in my that's life. almost verbatim what he said. It's Why? exactly what like, A gang of niggers. Yo, it was crazy. But people are still watching this dude and, and giving them their, his money. And he's... Yeah. People, are, people yeah, have man. said, he has said that he's made a mea culpa and he's out here and he's a changed man. Now, I don't know necessarily if I agree because Mel Gibson said this as a 50-something year old man. I don't know if I'm going to hold 30, I can't say with 100% certainty that I would hold 30 years over a man's life, right? Mm. But like, I, like you said, those questions are valid questions. Yeah. We know what he's admitted to. We don't know what he hasn't admitted to. Has he really changed? And I think that's a larger question as a whole that we're going to need to start answering, especially given our next topics. So um, I want to say thank you to Janelle for writing Thanks, us the letter, of course. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. We really much. appreciate it. And if very you want to so. get your emails and comments shared on the show, you can always reach us on our Facebook page, or you can send your emails to itbp at intheblackpodcast.com. Rick, let's go ahead and kick it off, man. I mean, speaking of uh, regretful decisions, uh, we're going to jump into what's happening in Virginia right now. So on February, for let's just start from the beginning. The end of January, Ralph Northam, who is the current governor of Virginia, who was elected uh, governor of Virginia, made comments about late-term abortion that got a lot of press were very sort of controversial in the sense of a woman potentially being able to board a child in the eighth or ninth month um, and really got a lot of people riled up, specifically conservatives and, and, and uh, um, pro-life people. So on February 1st, Black History Month, the start of Black History Month, this right-wing uh, media outlet releases photos from Ralph Northam, purportedly from Ralph Northam's medical yearbook from 1984. So um, they released photos from his 1984 medical school yearbook in which uh, there's pictures of him, you know, doing the you know, on one knee pose, and there's pictures of him in front of his car, pictures of him in a suit, and also pictures of a man in blackface in a clam's robe. Uh, two men, one in blackface holding a beer, the other in a clam's robe holding a beer. And the what was tweeted out? <laughs> the Virginia Republican Party tweeted it out an hour later and said, uh, "Governor needs to explain this immediately." <laughs> <laughs> Basically, that is like the. That's so is like Mama. The, that's the smoothest way to, to start a fire that I've ever heard. Oh my life. god! Immediately, um, which which wow. you know, wow. which led to a firestorm. Um, this started getting picked up everywhere. Washington Post picked it up, verified it. Um, every <laughs> Republican president, uh, excuse me, uh, Democratic presidential candidate called for him to resign. The two former governors of Virginia, Tim Kaine and um, Terry McAuliffe, had held off on calling for him to resign. They asked him to do the right thing, right? So <laughs> this is this is a Friday. Saturday comes. Uh, that excuse me. That day, that night, he releases a video about a minute saying, "The photo and the racist attitude doesn't reflect who I am today, but I accept full responsibility for my past actions." Well, Saturday comes, 
and there's a change. And the change was Northam holding a bizarre, best way to describe it is bizarre, press conference where it's him, his wife is beside him, and he states, I don't know nothing about no pictures. And uh, he says that it's not him in that picture. He's neither one of them. He's not the guy in blackface. He's not the Klansman. He said he had a chance to speak to some of his medical uh, classmates, and he's 100% sure it wasn't him. But he does have an interesting story to tell. Speaking of Liam Neeson, um, in 1984, which is the year, the same year, apparently, or maybe it was 1983, I'm sorry. I know. Yeah, it was the year before, okay? He wanted to win a dance contest. And he had the brilliant idea. You want to win a dance contest in 1983, who should you be? Michael Jackson. He had the brilliant idea. He had learned to moonwalk. I don't know if it was Jawan who taught him how to moonwalk or Deshaun, <laughs> or if he just like rewinded the tape over and over. But he learned how to moonwalk. And he needed one more thing for his outfit. He needed, remember this time, this is 1983, Michael Jackson was still black. So he needed <laughs> to look black. Oh my God. You gotta know your history, man. It's black history, man. So, uh, <laughs> so he, he opened up a can of shoe polish and he says, and this is my favorite part, he says he put a little bit of shoe polish on because you know, you put on too much shoe polish, it's hard to get off. This is my, my it's words. Hard to get off your skin. His words. <laughs> I would never know that because do you know why? I never put shoe polish on, on my skin. I would, I'm so glad he told me that because I would never think. Hey, if I put this on, it's probably hard to get off. You know? It's not going to come off. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure somebody needed that information. But uh, and he, what I love about the conference is that he offered to show everyone his moonwalk, and his wife stopped him. No, he didn't offer. The what? One of the what? the reporter asked him, "Does he think he can still moonwalk?" And you could see him look around and uh, ponder, like, "Do I have enough space uh, to do this?" Uh, his wife, uh, and, his, and his wife grabbed his arm, was like, "This that's an inappropriate thing to see, do." He said, "My, my wife told me it was inappropriate." Can we just can we give a shout out to good women? Because he was about to make a fool of himself. No, I think I think he already did, man. But that, that moonwalk would have been epic, man. It's just, yeah, it would it would have been the end, dog. It would my my thing. Let me just let me just finish. I tweeted after that uh, conference that I want to see Ralph Northam moonwalk and then immediately resign. Like, don't resign yet. I got to see you moonwalk first. And then I want you to resign because I got to see it now. We got to judge it. We got to judge it now that you put it out there. Because if it's slick, it's like, okay, well, you know what? The story is true at least. But but, uh, but anyway. Dance but okay, nice what, do you guys, what do you guys it's think? Film. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, Phil. Man, I mean, this is the, the the craziest thing. I mean, it's it's really hard to, you know, hide histories histories like this. And you know, his uh, his attitude now of uh, he, he's still not trying to resign, correct? Nope. Uh, yeah, it, it, him copping this attitude now. I mean, I'm not sure what's shoring that up. Maybe the coming elections for some reason, but uh, I just uh, I can't I can't I can't imagine how much worse this this could, this could possibly get. I think it's on some. I think it's on some bullshit. For real, Obviously, though. because Obviously. everything. I mean, besides, besides the fact that he <laughs> he tested the waters of blackface. <laughs> <and just> like, <laughs> tested the waters. <laughs> like he, like he, 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 dab, he dabbled. 
he dabbled in blackface and thought yeah, he learned that it was it wasn't for him. Like that doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Oh my, oh and then on top God. of that, the way everything started is like he knew it was. He said it was him. He apologizes. It was. Uh, it's not the person that he is now. It's not yeah. a reflection of the man and the things that he's fought for. I mean, right. he was one of the first people to come out. Especially, I mean, as the governor of Virginia came out after Charlottesville, was like, "There's no place in it." And then let's let's not forget that he is a Democrat. You know yep. that the Democrats have run on this platform, on this idea, on this notion that they are not racist because they're the they're the big they're the party of inclusion, right? Mm-hmm. And then you forget mm-hmm. that to turn around and there's a lot of white people in the Democratic Party. And some of those people might not be as clean as they think they are. Yeah. So where does yeah. that leave the Democratic Party? They're in a firestorm trying to clean this up because it doesn't let it doesn't make them look good. The only yeah. thing that's happened as of recently that kind of helped to push Northam to the background, if, if you can call it that, is two things. The second twist that happened with his homeboy or the Lieutenant Governor Fairfax yeah. having these damn sexual allegations pulled up There's on There's one, one specific and, one, yeah. Yep, and the fact that uh, our girl Abram did uh, the rebuttal to the State of the Union. Yeah, Those are the only two things that have helped to push that thing into the background. Other yeah. than that, we would still be talking about him like this this week. Yeah, I, I think that you mentioned this. Justin Fairfax, who's the lieutenant governor of Virginia, has a sexual assault allegation against him uh, from years prior. I think back to 2004. 2004? If, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, and it's coming back. So the the woman who accused him allowed her name to be released. She's hired a legal team. Oh, I think boy. there'll be there'll be some type of hearings on this. I'm positive, um, or it's some type of publicity around. Now here's the issue: is that Justin Fairfax is black, and lieutenant governor and governor don't run on the same ticket. So that means they're two separate elections. So it's not like president vice president. These two men apparently have a lot of static, and. Part of me wonders if Northam not gracefully resigning has to do with who his lieutenant governor is, um, and not wanting to, to allow him to be governor. Um, I, I don't. I don't think so. You know what I think, and I, I and people are saying that it's a conspiracy theory, but I know for a fact that the reason why, well, I won't say for a fact, but I strongly believe the reason why the uh, the whole thing with Northam came out was because of opposition research, plain and simple. That somebody knew that the elections was going to be coming up, and the people started doing their doing their background checks beforehand for a long. These past couple of years are they're not done in silence, man. People are digging right. up all sorts of stuff, yeah. and then what happened was that all this stuff ended up dropping, and the the fervor came out about uh, Northam resigning, and for the first time, the second black man as governor in the state of Virginia would finally get an opportunity, and how he stood up to racists in Charlottesville, how they tried to do some commemoration of uh, General Lee, and he told people off and said he wasn't having it, he wasn't attending it. This dude has been, people have glowed about Fairfax, and not even a day, excuse me, two days afterwards, all of a sudden you hear that he has sexual allegations about him as well i'm i don't know man this is you guys correct me you guys correct me i don't know if it was public knowledge before it was recently released had you heard about this beforehand either of you well i haven't but i mean i mean there's a lot of things that we don't hear about my thing is i i'm not arguing with the motivations behind this stuff i mean the motivations are to make people look bad at the worst possible time but what i'm saying is that okay the governor of Virginia has a blackface history, whether it's him in a photo, but he admitted to trying to be Michael Jackson and learn to move walk and blackface him. 
Uh, Justin Fairfax has a sexual assault allegation, which, uh, you know, more will come out about that. The attorney general, now this is important. The line goes governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general. Hmm. Meaning if the governor can't serve, lieutenant governor serves, lieutenant governor can't serve, the attorney general serves. Attorney general called for Northam to resign as well. And oh, by the way, he also wore blackface in college. Yes. And admitted it. So, uh, again, he probably knew as well. You don't put a lot of shoe polish on because that stuff's hard to get out. Because it starts Uh, to get (laughs) Start having problems getting stopped all the time. So, uh, yeah, man. So it just, it goes down the line. You know, this is, this, I'm not just going to put this on Virginia. I think that racism is embedded in our culture, just like sexism is. And I think that things like blackface, even though you go back to menstrual shows, back to the 1800s, which were specifically intended to insult African Americans who were no longer enslaved, who were becoming a part of civil society, if you will, specific, that was a specific intent. That's what yeah. it grew out of. Yeah. And up to 100 years later, guys are wearing blackface casually at parties. It's 2019. We always have stories about every Halloween, some white college kids are putting on blackface. And the, the difference now is that they're called out for it. They have to do a public apology tour, sort of. And apparently 30 years ago, it was just a normal thing. Go, go ahead, Phil, and then I'll, I'll close us out. No, I mean, I've got much else to say about this. I mean, you know, to uh, you know, for him to expect, uh, I mean, yes, I guess in a way things that we've kind of strayed away from it in the media already. Um, but I do see this as a uh, a growing trend. I think uh, the floodgates are going to open pretty soon. We're going to be getting a lot of alerts and a lot of press conferences and a lot of fresh lawsuits and, you know, excited law students, you know. It's going to be great mm. for them. I, I'm just kind of tired of hearing white people come out and apologize for putting on blackface because it's not just old white men. <laughs> it runs the gamut. We've been having this conversation for a long time. And at this point, it has become, it's not, I'm not here to educate you about blackface. We can have a larger conversation about race and its place in America and where it stemmed from and where we're going to go. But stuff like that specifically, we don't need to have a conversation about it. I shouldn't have to explain to you why putting shoe polish on your face is the wrong thing to do. Every single and I'm year. Tired, and I'm tired, of hearing the ex- I'm tired of hearing the excuses, man. At this point, it is a willful ignorance. You can't tell me that you don't know. You do know. You, either, you just don't care. Yes. It's like just daring people. It's daring. Us. Yeah. It's a yeah. dare. I mean, there's no, there's no way 40-plus-year-old 40 40 Megyn Kelly can tell me on live TV that when she was growing up, it was okay to put <laughs> B in blackface. What? Whatever. Come on, son. And then not too long ago, some Republican in Florida did the same thing. He put on blackface mm. because he was trying to um, imitate a uh, Katrina victim. Come on, my dude. Like, this is like, <laughs> it's getting out of hand. Just don't. Just, no respect, just, man. Just no, inherent, no respect. No, no inherent no, respect. No, that's no what I'm saying. They respect. do get it. They know. They don't give a damn. Yeah, yeah. And I that's agree. the thing that burns me up. They yeah. don't. They don't care. And then they try to play. The, they try to play the victim. That's the part that gets me. Is that at the end of the day, they try to play the victims. Like, oh, I wasn't aware that I was hurting people's feelings uh, to those people that I have, have offended or hurt. I'm like, get the. F- man, we've been no. hearing that same line. For how many years? Yeah. I'm gonna ask you guys this, and we're gonna close it out, man. Do you? I had an. I won't say an argument. I got into it. I tried not to do this anymore, but I got mm. into a debate with a person online, and right. this person was telling me that 
black people putting on white face was just as uh, objective. Oh, stop. Because so, they talk about white chicks. No, they, well, they said... Oh, is, Dave Chappelle? If, listen, exactly. They said if it's wrong, then it's wrong. Okay, so the, the two people they can name do you, won't do you white agree? face anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Like and we have Halloween every single year. No, they named who was it? Was it was Snoop? It was Snoop that they named. It was Nick Cannon. They talked about white chicks. They talked listen, about Dave Chappelle. And he was like, "If it's wrong, then it's wrong. Nobody should." I, be I'm, doing it. I'm not going to argue that white face is not offensive because I think that it, it can be interpreted as offensive. I'm not going to argue right. that. What I'm saying is that we don't have a history in this country of white people being enslaved, raped, brutalized, to this day killed without repercussions by black people. That's not the history. Blackface, I'll repeat, was intended to insult and denigrate, dehumanize black people who were just freed from slavery and were becoming a part of civil society, owning real estate, owning businesses, getting legally married, not being sold, and having their children sold away. It was a uncomfort that the people had with the fact that black people were getting rights that everyone else was having. So they created blackface, minstrel shows, specifically to insult black people. There's no other intent. And we're entertained by this, making a joke of the existence of blacks as a part of society. There's no history with that whiteface. Again, I'm not arguing it's not offensive. But what I'm saying is they can name a handful of black people who have worn whiteface. And we can name a lot of white people who have worn blackface. <laughs> Every That's my point. And, and I promise you, year. listen to, to, yeah, to, right. to our new white listeners who are listening, who may be like a, not as new uh, <laughs> <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I promise you, there are no secret parties where black people wear white face. When we, when we, have, a white, when we have a white party, it's the clothing. That's what's white. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the clothing. I don't put on any icing. I don't put on any icing on my face. I don't put on any suntan lotion. You know, I don't put on any any of that dyeing stuff, dyeing cream, lightning cream. Like, it's just the clothes. And on that note, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about, we're going to talk about savages and what's going on with savages. Yeah, <laughs> Not Randy Macho Man, but anyway, we'll be back. Stick around. So we're not telling people how they should love or who they should love. Michelle and Barack, J&B, even Donald and Milani. We find the stories and unpack the conditions that keep couples together. And those conditions are what shapes and what colors. The look of love. I'm the husband. And I'm the wife. Check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and now Anchor. Yeah, join in on the love fest. Mwah. All right, we're back. Thanks for sticking around. <laughs> and we talked about how uh, Ralph Norton, governor of Virginia, is, uh, has a shoe polish fetish and maybe he needs to break it off. Uh, but right now, we're going to get into some other stuff, man. We're going to talk about 21 Savage. So, uh, you know, go go. Yeah, uh, there have been several reports uh, across uh, several media outlets about the unfortunate situation involving uh, Atlanta-based and Grammy-nominated rapper. Uh, 21 Savage, uh, born Shah Yabin Abraham Joseph. Um, he was arrested on Sunday by U.S. immigration officials who said he was illegally in the country and a convicted felon. Uh, 
he uh, he's currently uh, with ICE officials still, and uh, and then there's been a you know, petition for his release, uh, 120,000 signatures. There's been uh, statements from his lawyer uh, saying that this is a big misunderstanding in a lot of ways. Um, you know, revolving apparently a mistake um, with his parents overstaying their visas, um, but he's actually been here since he's been like five years old. Um, yeah. And it's unfortunate that you know, like, because you know, as soon as I heard about it, it brought me right back to you know, because I me, mean, I'm, I'm really into the music, so I know about lots like when Slick Rick was deported, uh, yeah. when when yeah. when, when, when the underground rapper um, named MF Doom was deported yeah. uh, to, to, to the yeah. UK. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, actually, Doom never made it back. Um, but you know, uh, it, was, it was it was shocked us as kids uh, that that somebody like that could just whole, whole, so we thought that you know, oh, he's he's an artist, he's, he's rich, he'll be fine. He's one yeah. of us, and he's fine. But the reality was um, was that, and unfortunately, the reality for Twin One Savage is that you, you just don't, you know, money or not, you don't just stop your life and go somewhere where you really don't have any connection to. Yeah, you know, and like, no, there's been no, you know, real information on whether or not he even has any family left over there. Um, but uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's unfortunate with all the jokes and everything going around. Um, but uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's also a trouble. You know, for me, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a troubling because he's not the only, you know, uh, U.S. born uh, citizen child of a child of immigrant child of immigrants who's, who's going through this too. Yeah, I, I, I know that. Um I know that Rick doesn't give two hornet's nests oh, about the, the dreamers, go, and you, uh, you know go. these 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 people of color that are you know because they only represent like 1.5 percent of the population. So there who cares? But at the same time, <laughs> I think that this is rather unfortunate, and I think it's unfortunate not because it's 21 Savage, but right. because of how this whole story is formulating. Yeah, immigration is a black problem. It's not presented as that, but it's a black problem. There are tons of black people, folks that look like me and you, that are deported every single day without fanfare, without notice. Mm. You know how many Jamaicans and so on come here as little kids? They don't. Yeah. They didn't file for themselves, and then they get swept up in the middle of the night in some ice raid, and that's the end of it. But like I said, it's presented as a brown problem, and it's not. And because there are black people that are facing this type of dilemma, I think that we should be more wary and more pay more attention to it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to lie to you. I came to this country when I was a young kid, too. My parents filed for me. There is a possibility I could, but for the grace of God, I could be 21 Savage. Yeah. I could be, and right now he's. Let's let's. We need to make sure that we give all you know, the, give these folks the facts. This man came here when he was seven years old. He's yeah. currently being. He's about to be deported. He's still in ICE custody, being held without bond, even though he already had paperwork being processed for citizenship. Yeah, he did for a visa application. And you can't do that. You can't and sweep him away while that's they, in process. His lawyer said they never hid his status from the U.S. government. But they the fact they, that he has a felony on his record, uh, I think that was part of it too. I honestly thought that, but, you know, but, but his, that they went to his, his visa. Thing. His visa was classified as one that was a. Uh, it's a U visa be given because of his cooperation with the with the law enforcement. The one that the one that they're he was processing now is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it was, okay. it was being issued due to his due to his cooperation with law enforcement. Yeah, I know. I thought that the, the U visa was the. Um, uh, people with special talents or entertainment or whatever they call it. Uh, I think that's what it is, but I could be completely wrong. What do you What do you say, Rick? Well, uh, I've already been called an anti-immigrant hater. Uh, so like <laughs> You've been very Donald clear Trump about your dislike for Nigerians. You've been very clear about your dislike no, for Nigerians. No, no, this, 
Nigerian specifically? Yeah, for, this dude. No, you've heard it. No, you've heard no, it on no, the show. No. He said it. Absolutely not. My dislike for a Nigerian who is talking to me—that's <laughs> very specific. For the Nigerian who hosts this show, that's the what I dislike. The Nigerian. Let's be specific. Man. I have no problem with the country. Beautiful country. Beautiful people. But but this Terrible Nigerian. Accents. This Nigerian. But okay. um. But the thing is, man, this is a horrible thing. And, and people need to understand what the situation is. People come over, and that is actually the big, and this has been repeatedly said, that's the biggest form of a legal stay in the country. It's not people running from Mexico to the United States, not people sneaking in from Canada. It's people who come here, have legal visas, and overstay the visas. Like, that actually is the majority of people who are, quote, unquote, in the country illegally. Mm. Um, but I think what's important to point out is that you know, 21 Savage, as far as we know, is not a, some cri raving criminal. His parents weren't raving criminals. This is a situation where, you know, they like to focus on the illegal immigrants who come over and commit crimes and commit murders. But the reality is that's a very small percentage of anybody who's in the country illegally. What they're yeah. doing is doing what all of us are doing. They're having families. They're buying property. They're, and they're living uh, their they're, life. They're working a job, being productive, members of society. Contributed to the economy and the culture. Paying taxes. And, pay, yep. and, and exactly. Paying the taxes. most important thing, paying taxes. They're, right? they're so, paying taxes. So this is a situation where you have this enforcement going on, this enforcement action going on. Now, he may get a reprieve. You know, he might get the meat mill treatment because he's famous and they make an exception. You know, but we'll see. I don't know. I can't say. Uh, no, I, I don't mean, think so, man. Because the, the, that was hip-hop history is not good on deportation. Not even just that. That was a state... Um, McMill's situation was uh, a local municipality coming together to figure out what they were going to do for him, right? This is yeah. British authorities I, were contacted. This about is this. United States uh, Customs and Immigration Services. They don't play them games, dog. He's yeah, they, even they if they let him back in, even if they let him back in, they're going to throw his ass into the UK first and let him stew there for a minute before he mm -hmm. comes back. And I know that that's been a big, con I don't want to say big concern, but folks are up in arms because he's nominated for like three Grammys and the Grammy Awards are on Sunday and they're like, okay, is he going to be able to make it in time to collect his awards? How's that going to work out? Uh, and nope. whether or not they're going, what they're going, <laughs> nope. what they're going to do, whether or not they're going the to do a, <laughs> they're going to do a trip. Nope. <laughs> they're they're going to do a tribute to the dude market, dude. They're going to do a tribute to my man. Jesus. <laughs> that's, not, that's, not, that's not how this works, man. That's not how any of this works, man. Dude, man. It's, <laughs> like, it's, yeah. But you know what's funny? Sad, I, I didn't know that he was from Atlanta. Like, when I heard him say he's from Atlanta, I mean, everyone, pretty much everyone in the South said they're from Atlanta like that. Even though Atlanta's only but so big and not everybody's from Atlanta, right? But I didn't know that he was from Atlanta. But apparently, yeah, he's he's really that's all he's ever. I mean, he came here like when he was six, seven years old. That's all he's ever yeah. known. It's yeah. always, you know what I mean? Reps Atlanta, Atlanta's home. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I just yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering how widespread things like this are going to to uh, to you know to occur. I mean, are we going to hear about more you know young industrious you know people suddenly snatched up because they have to be returned to you know? I mean, I, I think you know. I wonder how much more will be revealed. You know what, I'll, I'll tell you like this, man, especially during the 80s, man, there was, I can't tell you the number of foreigners I know, all of them black, of course, that could tell you horror stories about what it was like coming here in the 80s as a student and man. going through the process of trying to extend their stay, the, the, the paperwork overlapped for one reason or the other, and how they 
were scared to go to school, scared to go to work, scared to even be in their house because they don't had already been. I mean, you hear the horror stories that these folks come in the middle of the night, grab you, scoop you up, and throw you throw you in the back of a dark van, and that's the end of it. I remember, I remember the obsession with the visa paperwork. This, this the obsession with being so right. It's, <laughs> it, every... is, it is, it is not an easy I remember, process. I actually to f- remember that to, to fill out that. You know what's messed up? I had my green card before I became a citizen. I had my green card, and I had to renew my green card. And the process for filling out my green card not only is it the process extensive, right? <laughs> it's also expensive. Like I spent yeah. seven hundred, almost eight hundred dollars. The whole process will take over your life. Oh, it will just take over your life. It's not a joke, man. It's not a joke. It's not a joke, but anyway. All right, right about now is the time when we want to wrap up the show, but we want to give you bits of news that you can take with yourself into the work week. So let's go ahead and start it off. Uh, Rick, what's up, man? Man, what's up is uh, Stacey Abrams' response to the State of the Union address. Um, I believe she was the first black woman to ever give the Democratic rebuttal for awesome. the um, State of the Union address. So you were able to confirm that? Because I know yeah. we talked about it last show. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's actually a historical fact. And, uh, you know, it's very well received how she did. She didn't have to run and get some chapstick or run and get some water. Uh, like some former, <laughs> former people who've done that rebuttal. Um, and she, you know, she, my wife and I are very impressed with her. Anytime we see her, you know, I'm not going to say she's articulate. But uh, what I am going to say is that the points that she makes specifically when it comes to voter suppression and giving everyone the vote are very salient. They make sense. And they're simple. And I think that's how you have to relate to people. Give them something that's an intelligent argument that they can simply relate to. So anyway, I'd recommend anybody watch that. So that's that's what I recommend for the week. Okay. Phil, what's up, man? Man, I got to say a shout out to Killer Mike. He's been uh, seeing it pop up on a bunch of podcasts about his new series uh, called Trigger Warning on Netflix. Love it. Uh, Love that it. is uh, breaking stereotypes through playful experimentation. Um, man, I mean, as a hip hop head and someone who's followed his career, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely proud of Killer Mike's evolution as an artist and as a man. And um, he's been promoting, he's been promoting, um, you know, things for ideas for for our people that have been there are nothing but positive, you know, from self sufficiency. I mean, he's a proud hunter. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? For for instance, um, and uh, you know, I, I would highly recommend Trigger Warning. Um, he, uh, he 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 puts himself in uncomfortable spaces as well as putting everyone else in uncomfortable spaces, yeah. uh, demanding uh, uh, black people's uh, independence and, and, and proper standing in society. <laughs> Man, it's an incredible show. If you haven't seen it, it's on Netflix, so you got to make sure to check it out. Yeah. Um, what's up for me is that as of 2018, the 12, almost 12 black directors that um, came out with a film last year collectively pulled in 1.4 billion dollars domestic man that's a beautiful that's a beautiful thing it's a wondrous team yeah it is it is uh kugler brought in about seven almost 700 million yeah he brought in 700 million domestically um by himself um spike brought in like 50 million and there's a uh, ava DuVernay i think brought in like 30 or 40 million so there's some we got some heavy hitters in, in in black art and black filmmaking that you guys got to keep your eye open for. And it's a good thing because now that we're seeing that black people, black stories, black faces are viable things across the globe. I think that it's going to just pave the way for more people, kids, especially that look like us to do bigger and greater things, man. So I can't wait to see what happens next. All right. We're going to give Rick his time. 
Um, I wouldn't have stopped the recording process, but um, y'all know how it is. Go ahead, man. Tell your joke. Best part of the show. That wasn't even me, man, doing that. Allegedly. I appreciate that, man. That's one of the <laughs> You're allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> this is a really quick story about a, a mother, a church mother, who was like a leader in her community. She always had good advice for people. Her name was Ma Bell. And Ma Bell used to sit after church, and she used to sit in the front pew, and uh, people could come and tell her their troubles. So this sister, Maybelline, came in and sat down near Ma Bell and says, Ma Bell, I'm not making any money. I thought that I should play the numbers, play the lottery and, and win. What do you think I should do, Ma Bell? And Ma Bell looked at her. She had a sweetest smile on her face. She held her hands, and she said, Baby, you need to ask, what would Jesus do? So Maybell thought about it and she said, you're exactly right. I'm not going to play the numbers. I'm going to make something of myself. She walked out with the sunshine and then Ma Bell smiled. So the second person came in. This was Johnny. Johnny Smith. Johnny Smith sat down on Ma Bell and I have to say Johnny Smith had a problem. His problem was drinking. Johnny said, Ma Bell, I don't know what it is. I, uh, I love the taste of alcohol. And my problem is <laughs> that I drink and, and sometimes I drive my bell. I don't want to do this, but I do this. What, what should I do? And my bell, she took her two hands, her really wrinkled old hands, and she put them <laughs> on his face. And she said, baby, you just need to ask yourself, what would Jesus do? And then Johnny said, oh, my bell, you're right. I'm not going to drink no more. And he left the church. And uh, he was smiling, and my bell was smiling. Third person came in was Johnny Lou. Johnny Lou came in in a slick suit, and he sat down beside my bell. And he smiled. He thought he was, was going to get over. He said, my bell, listen, I know I owe you that $500, my bell. And I know I thought about it, and I really thought that you should forgive me for that. My bell smacked him across his face. <laughs> Johnny said, ow! She smacked him again, said, give me my money! Johnny said, ow! She smacked him one more time. Johnny said, what? My bell, what? What would Jesus do? And my bell said, I don't know, baby, but I'm going to keep hitting you till you pay me! <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jesus. yeah. That's what, what you wanted Jesus to do after after a good week. That's what you wanted to come back with. After one good week, Absolutely. that's what you wanted to come back. Oh God, you can't you can't owe my bell, man. Come on, oh now. my God, <laughs> Rick. Where can people find you if they want to find? Oh, I tell you what, don't owe me money. Uh, you can find me. You can find me on the Twitter at real Rick McRae. I may stop putting these jokes up there because they're so good. Uh, you can find me, you can find me on the Instagram. Man, at real Rick McCray on the You Instagram. just killed any opportunity you have of followers. Freaking madness. You can find me. Uh, you know, you can't find me on the Facebook yet because I've been Zuckerberg. Uh, and you can't find me on the Snapchat because I'm not too. 
And don't look for me on Backpage or any of that nasty stuff because I'm married and happy with kids. So. <laughs> Keep telling you, Black Planet is where it's at. Black Planet. <laughs> Man, I ain't been on Black Planet like 20 years, yo. Yesterday. <laughs> Yesterday. Phil, where can people find you? Man, find me on Instagram under the Orange Crush with a K uh, or at SP Methods. Yeah, we're, you're going to go visit 21 Savage and let us know how he's doing? Word. Uh, nah, I mean, not me. <laughs> And I am Big O, Mr. In the Black himself, and you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at MR underscore In the Black. I want to thank you guys once again for joining us for another episode of the In the Black podcast. Remember, we want to hear from you. Help us continue these conversations by reaching us at our In the Black PDCSD Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. And as always, informed, intelligent, in the black. Peace. Peace. This is the In the Black Podcast. In the Black Podcast. Big O, my brethren, big up. Black up in me, come pay, rip it up. Make it sizzle on them just a little, don't give them too much. Yeah, we in the black and it's all good. Mr. Hustle Hard, Orange Crush, this for all hoods. This for everybody, intelligent folks who read books. Even part-time crooks listening and get hurt. Yeah, on the game right now, we got a big foot. On them black social issues, we got the input. Speak about the things that get you tense and leave you all shook. Speak about the current events that made us all look. Big up every African king, big up no brook. Big up every African queen, this thing's all good. In the black podcast, never whack All you other podcast cats better step back Yeah, I love playing around on the track DJ Henny's better than many, you know it's a fact We pass them, you can't outmatch what we have Feel the impact in the black podcast You know he's a podcast, run in the black Chat about the news and it on your head top